Anyway, let's get into our word. Um, this morning, I'm preaching a message entitled, It's Time. Uh, and, and so I want to look at Joshua. Now, I'm not going to start a series for a couple of weeks. Uh, in about two weeks or three weeks, I'll be kicking off a new series entitled, Hot Topics for Hot Times. And through the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at current event, uh, events in light of Scripture. Listen, if we don't know what the Bible says about some of these current events that are happening right now, uh, then our confusion will lead to further confusion with the next generation. And how many know that God's Word weighs in on all of these topics? Um, and so we want to hear. So we'll start out, my very first message will be, will be about the authenticity, or excuse me, the authority of Scripture. Listen, if I don't believe the Bible is, author is authoritative, then it doesn't care, I don't care what you believe after that. It really doesn't matter. But if I believe that God's Word is God's Word, then, then what it says has a, a great bearing on how we are to look at the world. And so we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks. But anyway, let's talk about it. it is time. Joshua chapter 1, I know it's a rather lengthy passage. I love the story of Joshua. It's one of my favorite stories this week in the Bible. And uh, let's begin verse number 1. It says, after the, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon have I given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. That's the Mediterranean Sea. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as it was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper whatever, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Well, I want to jump right in it this morning. I, again, as I said, I, I love the story of Joshua. If you've ever paid attention to Joshua, um, he was an apprentice, okay? He was an apprentice that served under the great leadership of Moses. And when you think about, uh, when you think about Joshua, Joshua, uh, one of the things I pointed out in early service was Joshua, his entire life was dedicated to the service of the Lord. Because at no point in his life do you ever see him deviating from the path of faith. He started out as an apprentice with the, with, with the great leader Moses. He starts out as an apprentice. He, uh, he is one of only two adult men that were allowed by God to go in and inherit the promised land. You remember that story, right? Uh, Joshua and Caleb, out of the entire nation, were the only two that God permitted of that generation to actually go in and possess the promised land. Uh, if you remember that story, you know, God, uh, Moses allowed 10, excuse me, 12 spies to go in to the promised land to kind of spy it out. And, and, and the Bible says they came back and they had fruit of the land and they said, surely it is a good land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's just like God said. 
And yet, when they, even though they had the fruit of it and they could see the validity of this uh, promised land, 10 of the spies said, but we saw the giants there, if you will. And in our eyes, we were as grasshoppers to them. And the Bible said when they spoke that negativity, that fear spread among the people and the nation rebelled and turned against God. However, Joshua and Caleb spoke up and said, hey, 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 wait a minute. We are well able to do this. We can do this because they believed God. Now, you know the story. They didn't. They rebelled against God. God, got, uh, God sent judgment upon them, said, you know what? Not one of you will enter into the promised land, save Joshua and Caleb. Again, God, God punished them. His, their punishment was that they were to walk or they were to uh, wander in the wilderness for 40 years until every one of those of that generation died out. So now in this story, Joshua chapter 1. Now see, Joshua, again, he's a, he lives a life of faith. At the end of his life, the same guy in verse 1 that God is speaking to and says, hey, Moses is dead. Now you take these people and get them over there. He's the same one in, verse, in chapter 24 who stands up and says, look, you decide which gods you're going to serve. You decide you can serve the gods of the people for, in whom, whom, who, whose land we are, or you can serve the God of your fathers, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So his, his heritage, his, his, he's committed, fully committed to God. His entire life is committed to God. And so now in our text, he, uh, they are, they, they're there. They are, it's time for them to move into the land that God had promised to them. And, and, and again, I've often said this, and I've often felt that the 21st century church parallels this story uh, quite well. You think about it. God poured out His Spirit. He began to pour out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and He empowered His church to live and operate in resurrection power. Now, I know last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. I want to deal with it today a little bit, okay? So, so the church was born with Pentecostal power. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Acts chapter 2 says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, again, there was 120 that were gathered in the upper room. God poured out His Spirit, and, and they went out and they changed the world. So again, there's a lot of parallels, but here's the thing. The church began with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God birthed the church with, with this operating in and up through the Holy Spirit. If you go to modern times today, the majority of churches right now are void of that power. Now, you can challenge that if you want to, but I submit to you that if we are truly operating in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, why do we not see the influence of righteousness in a world that's run amok? The evidence is all around us. We can come in and sing and have a good time. We can raise our hands, tap our foot, clap our hands. We can say a praise the Lord and a hallelujah and all of these things, but we're not effectively changing culture through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. The early church did. The initial 120 people that were gathered in the upper room, when the, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened, they came out, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, and the people marveled that they spoke in a language they had not learned. They marveled at this amazing event, and Peter stands up and says, wait a minute, you need to understand, these men aren't drunk like you think they are. And begins to expound on the last day prophetic word from Joel the prophet, who said, I'm going to pour out my Spirit. If you fast forward to the 21st century, where we are today, the majority of churches are void of that type of power that alters people's lives. Consequently, we've allowed a couple of generations to grow up with good stories and memories of what God used to do, but we have very few stories of what God is doing. 
I want you to understand where we are today. We talk about how God moved and what God did. But we've got a generation that that's all stories. We have a generation today that's probably more cynical than any other generation, perhaps, in, 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 in recent memory anyway. And if all we have is stories of what God used to do, and we're not telling stories of what God is doing, we're losing a generation of people to the operation of the Holy Spirit. It is something that the church needs to address. It is something that believers need to address. Um, you know, I realize that in this day of gimmicks and technology, there are many people today that want to dismiss the Holy Spirit and make excuses as to why we're no longer experiencing the fire of God in our lives. You know, again, their excuses are a dime a dozen or cheaper. Many people believe that because we're intellectually and technologically advanced that we don't need the fire of God. But listen to me, the reality is this. The lack of fire is not because we're too advanced. It's because we've not tended to the fire in our own lives. Let me say that again. The reason that we're not seeing the fire of God in our services, and, it, and, and some of you that may be a, ter a terminology that you're not quite familiar with, we're just talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. We've not seen, fire is representation of the Spirit. The cloven tongues of fire that lit upon each of them at the day of Pentecost was representative of the Holy Spirit. The reason we're not seeing it is because we're not tending the fire in our own hearts, and our own lives. We've allowed the spirit of this age to extinguish the embers of revival in our own heart, and consequently, the next generation has no embers whatsoever because we've not fanned in the flame. One of the things in the Old Testament, if you go back to the Old Testament tabernacle, there was one thing that God said about that tabernacle. There was, a, there was a fire pot in there. And he said, don't ever let the fire go out. See, that's a word to the modern day church. Don't let the fire go out. Because if you get a fire out, it's awful hard to get it going again. Amen? Amen. There's something about it. Listen, every week I look out here and I see empty seats. And here's what I see. I, I look at these seats not, not as numbers to pad and say what a wonderful church we are because we run X number of people. I look at these, every empty seat here is, a, is representative of the soul for whom Christ died and we're charged to reach. That's how I see them. Again, the church was born in Pentecostal fire where the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 people assembled together in that upper room. It changed them. Do you understand? It changed them. They went in one way and when they were touched by the power of God, they changed and not only did they change, but the outflow of what God did on the day of Pentecost would have changed the culture around them. In fact, the word spread, and it said, these men who turned the world upside down have come hitherto also. Why? Because they were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The fire of God burned within them. My prayer this morning is that God would once again blow across the embers of our lives and ignite a passion in each of us to reach the lost humanity with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, if we're not telling people about Jesus, nobody else is. If we're not telling them that Jesus Christ came, that God became one of us and Jesus Christ and he lived and he died and he paid the price, he became the, the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation of our sin. If we're not telling them that, then nobody else will. I promise you, the trial of John, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard won't be broadcasting the gospel. Five weeks of wasted airtime. And yet we're glued to it. The spirit of the age has extinguished the fire of the God in our hearts and lives, and consequently our children are estranged from the anointing of God. There are times when we experience, listen, there, I'm almost 30 years here. And there are times I can go back in my memory, and there are times we've experienced powerful, 
powerful moves of God in this place. Many of you here can remember those things. Many, many here can remember how God once moved in your life and experiences that you had with God. But listen, that's a has-been. What is he doing right now? What is he doing right now? What's the, where's the freshness? You know, we, uh, we've experienced powerful moves of the Spirit in the past, and here's what we do. We revel in it, we talk about it, but we do very little to sustain it. Did you get that? We talk about how powerful it was. And we rejoice in it. I'm not knocking those things. I, I enjoy the tangible presence of God where, where, it's, where, 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 where there's something there that you know and it's, you, just have to, you just have to attribute it to God because words can't express what you feel. We've had that, but we revel in it. We talk about it, but we do very little to sustain it. We get that good feeling, you know, like I talk about all the time. We get the doodads up and down our spine and it feels good, but then we go, like, we go back to life as usual. We rejoice in the experience, but it didn't alter us. And so we slip right back into the status quo. It's kind of like a baseball coach. In the ninth inning, he's got his team, and they're up by one run. And he rallies the guys together, and he says, look, let's bring this home. It's like a football coach in the fourth quarter that his team's up by three points and, it's, and the clock, they're watching the clock, and they're trying to manage the game. And so he rallies the guys on the sideline. He said, look, boys. Let's bring this home. The reason I'm telling you that is I came today to say to Bethel Temple Church, let's bring this home. We've run well, but the race is not over. You see, there, there's still people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's still believers that are sidelined for one, ever, one reason after another. They need, to, they need a second win. They need to get back in the race. There are still many people today in the valley of decision who need the freshness and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to work, not yesterday, but today in our lives and through us, today. They need to hear that, and they need to experience it. Listen, there have been times when I've seen people, skeptics, People that were hardened in rebellion that have walked to the altar, and I've seen people, and people myself, I've taken their hands, and I've just simply said, Jesus loves you, and I've watched the hardness melt away instantly. We don't see that anymore. We don't see that anymore. We've become so insulated and calloused to it. We've got things to do, places to go, things to do. You know, Paul described these days as perilous days. How many believe we're in those days these are perilous times. These are dark times. But you know what he didn't say? He didn't say they were hopeless times. He said they're perilous days. Know this also that in the last days, perilous times will come. But he never said that hopeless days will come because as long as he sits on the throne and as long as you and I have breath and as long as the church of Jesus Christ is on planet Earth, there's always hope. Amen. There's always hope. Listen, it's time. It's time for the church to stand in his, in his authority and the power amid, in, in his anointing of the Holy Spirit amid a society that is run amok. Listen, we lived in a confused world. The Bible calls it deception. It says many will believe the lie. It's time for the church to stand and speak the truth. His truth, not our truth, his truth. Again, will there be challenges? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely there'll be challenges. But God, just like God encouraged Joshua that's why this is important, because he's doing the same thing to us today. The first thing God says in verse number one, he said, look, Joshua, Moses, my servant's dead. I think God was saying, look, the past is over. You know, you can remember how it was, and you can remember what went on, and all those things, and it's good. Listen, I have fond memories of previous moves of God. I've experienced great moves of God. But he said, look, Moses is dead. 
Did you get that? It, he's dead. Now, now, not tomorrow, now, therefore. What did he say? Arise. Go over Jordan, you and all this people, to a land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. What is he saying? Look, close your chapter on yesterday. Relish in it, rejoice in it, marvel in it. But you know what? Close the chapter, start a new one, because over there are blessings that are fresh and new. Go ahead and pick up and move on. Don't camp here any longer. The blessings and the freshness is right now over there. Get up and go. Listen, I believe the church needs to hear that. Again, Joshua had been a faithful and loyal apprentice to Moses. When Moses died, God anointed and appointed him to follow and be his successor. Under Joshua, they were going to have opportunities to discover new things, enjoy fresh blessings, and experience a new dimension of God's love and grace. They, they, it was all there. You know, we want to be quick to talk about tapping into the abundant life. Just Listen, you can't tap into the abundant life if you're not walking in covenant with the Lord. You can't. You might experience some good things that will come your way. Listen, it rains on the just and the unjust. Good things happen to just and unjust. Bad things happen to just and unjust. But listen, you'll never tap into the favor of God if you're not walking in covenant relationship with Him. Can't happen. This generation of Israelites had grown up in the wilderness and all they heard was grandma and grandma, grandpa and mom and dad talk about what it used to be like. They grew up in the wilderness and they'd never experienced it. They wandered for 40 years until every one of that generation dropped dead. And now Joshua, God says, Joshua, you're the one. Now get these people and get them over there. They're about to walk into some new territories. They're about to walk into some fresh ground. I believe, listen, I believe the time has come for a change. Listen, I've enjoyed what God's done here. I got an email earlier this week from a guy that had been at part of Bethel, moved to another state. He said, Pastor, I just want to let you know he said, I didn't, I, he said, I did not pay attention to how wonderful I had it when I was there at Bethel. He said, there's a freshness and an anointing there I've not experienced anywhere else. And he said, you guys are wonderful. He said, you're blessed. And, and I'm not saying that to be in a braggadocious way. I'm saying that God is stirring and the Spirit of God is doing something among us. But it's not here just to titillate our senses. It's here to empower us to go out into a dark world and shine as beacons of hope to people who have no hope. And it's time for the church to step up to our responsibility and to pass on a faith that was once handed down to another generation so they can experience the freshness of God. When was the last time that your children saw you weeping before the Lord over something that was going on in your life? For us to fulfill our destiny... Listen, and, and, and listen, I, I believe a time is coming for a change. A change that will move us from the wilderness of wishful thinking that things will be different to a place where things are actually different. A place of God's favor and His blessings. Is the transition easy? Listen to me. Nope. <laughs> you know what? We don't like transitions, do we? See, we're human beings, we're human becomings, and we all like things that are pretty stable and predictable. But see, God operates outside of predictable. I mean, who else could go to a funeral and say, wait a minute, he just, she's just sleeping and raise a daughter in the middle of a funeral? I mean, who else can go to a church service and look out and see a man with a withered hand and say, hey, come here, stand up, stand up. Stretch out your hand. New territories, new experiences. Through the anointing of the Spirit, this generation needs to see that. They need to experience that. 
They need to have their lives interrupted. I mean, listen, we talk about camp, the campus, the high school campus, the middle school, the elementary. You know what? They can make every law and rule they want to, but you get a bunch of kids that are anointed and appointed by God, they cannot stop and slow the activity of the Holy Spirit. It does, listen, they tried to shut everything down with the COVID pandemic they tried to stop everything that was going on you know what the church exponentially grew around the world through every lockdown and every shutdown why because you cannot stop a sovereign move of god what i'm saying is the church needs that in this generation they need to know that listen for us to fulfill our destiny of reaching johnson county and beyond for christ it might mean that there might be some change but what it means is that we change we take what's good and we exchange it for what's better because anything God has for us is better than what we've had before. Amen? Amen. God knew that this was a frightening... I've got to hurry up, man. I could stay on that a long time. Because I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I want to see our young men with visions and old men dreaming dreams. I want to see our sons and daughters prophesying. Listen, see, God knew when he told Joshua, he said, Hey, buddy, it's on you to get these people over there. Can you imagine how frightening and terrifying that must have been for him? I mean, all he had ever done has been a leader under Moses. So anytime there was a tough decision, he just went to Moses and said, Hey, Mo, because Mo knows, right? Right? Mo knows. So he'd just go to Moses, say, Hey, Mo. <laughs> and Moses would give him the instructions of the Lord, but now it falls on him. And it was a frightening sign because he said, Now, therefore, you get these people and get them over there. This is theirs. So God, what does he do? Reassures him three times in nine verses. Think about it. Three times in nine verses, here's what he said. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. The Hebrew word strong literally means sound legs. Steadfast. Immovable. Strong legs. The Hebrew word for courage means to have a secure grasp so notice what god was telling joshua he's saying stand strong and hold tight in this world that is nuts and getting nuttier every day <laughs> in this world of confusion over male female over bathrooms and men getting pregnant and all this kind of junk that we have today the word of the Lord to the modern church is to stand strong and to hold tight. I'm not here to, listen, I'm not here to poke fun. There, the spirit of the age has brought confusion to our children and our children's children, and it's not a laughable matter. It's not a time to get up and lambast them and beat them over heads. It's simply time to get up and speak the truth of God and let the, the scales of, of deception fall from their eyes so that they might believe the truth of God's word. That's what I'm talking about. He said, be strong. And be of good courage. Listen, that's a word right now. For you and your family and for this church, as we face the uncertainty of a, spiral, a spiraling out of control society, Christians today being labeled as evil, the words of Joshua are relevant and timely to us. Are we going to experience challenges? You better believe it. I told the early service, I truly believe, I'm not asking for it, not wishing for it, I truly believe that we're going to see a day when, if a church will stand on the authenticity of Scripture and, and preach the truth, that you're going to see protesters outside the building. 
And you're going to actually have to listen to that garbage as you come on the campus. I see that coming. I, I, it pains me as a veteran to say that because I, I filled out a blank check to our country. I would die for this free, the freedoms we enjoy. But to be where we are today, I see it coming. I remember in, in the late 90s, David Wilkerson was the keynote speaker at our, general, our, our district council. It was held in Irving, Texas at J. Don George's Calvary Temple, the big building there on 183 and Beltline Highway, big church right next to TBN. And I remember going to district council that year and they bust in people with picket signs to protest David Wilkerson speaking each night. Every time I would drive up in the evening, they would be lined up around that building yelling and screaming and holding their signs up against David Wilkerson. And I thought, how bizarre. Fast forward to where we are today, and I don't see that as bizarre. I, I still see it bizarre, but I, don't, I see that more common. I mean, it's happening. We've seen it in the news. In other states, in our union, it's happening right now. Listen, we're going to experience a shaking, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Listen, this is not time to be tipped and timid in your faith. It's not time to be lukewarm. He said lukewarmness is going to be spit out of his mouth. It's time to decide which side of the aisle you're going to be on. You're going to be for him or against him. You're going to have to decide. It's happening right now whether we want to or not. So God is simply saying to the church and to each of us, be strong and courageous. And again, those words, God told him three times. He told him three things. Real quick, number one, be strong. Let's look at that again a little bit more. Be strong. Notice what he said in verse, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I read that verse, here's what I noticed about it. He does not call Joshua to be strong and courageous for battle. Because God had already told them. See, that was part of the issue 40 years earlier. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we're well able to do this because God has already told us that he would fight our battles for us. All they had to do was walk in in obedience and possess the promised land. That's all they had to do. So it was not a call for them to be strong and courageous in battle. It was not about a war that was about to come, at least in the physical sense of a, of a, of a fight. That was not it at all. They were to be strong and courageous in obedience to the covenant that Moses had given to them. In other words, they, God was calling them to be courageous about standing true to his word. That's why it's so relevant today. Because the message to the church today is be very careful. Listen, I've lived long enough now in my lifetime. I've seen major denominations that have actually split over the inerrancy of Scripture. I've seen, uh, again, there are people today, and, and listen, if you're here and if you're tuned in and you want to know, uh, don't, listen, don't get your theology from, from the History Channel or the Learning Channel or Discovery Channel. We can spend a long time talking about how we got the Bible and, how, oh, well, it's just written by a bunch of men. Yeah, it was written by a bunch of men over 1,500 years with no contradictions. Two of us can't even write something in agreement right now. But I, don't get me there. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I'm just simply saying there's a lot of evidence that gives us confidence that what we have is God's Word. God breathed 
through these men who wrote down. Listen, the call to be strong and courageous is a call to be obedient. They were not to be wishy-washy in their commitment. Don't you get so sick and tired of being up one day and down one day, on fire for God one day and cold the next day? He said, don't do that. Be strong, steadfast, anchor your feet in something that's immovable. You know, when we walk in that covenant relationship, when God is our guide, here's what he said is going to happen. You know, here's the thing. It does make a difference. We make intelligent decisions. We have positive outcomes in life. Listen, I've had people challenge me before. Well, what if you die and you find out there wasn't a God? Well, what harm has it done the way I've lived? Right? I've enjoyed life. I remember most of it. Right? You know? I've kind of had a good life. And if I die and there is no God, I've not lost anything. But if you die and there is a God, you've lost it all. And that's not a gamble I'm, worth t- I'm willing, to, willing to risk. Because these men that followed Jesus, when he said, come follow me, gave up families and businesses, and they went and followed Jesus. Not only did they follow him, they committed to him in such a way that they all died for their faith. Not a fake, but the real McCoy. I'm saying, when we follow in that covenant relationship with the Lord, we make wise decisions. We experience positive outcomes. Is it easy to make this type of radical commitment? Absolutely not. It's hard. But David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. These dark times, we need to be strong and courageous. We need to establish ourselves and our convictions on his word not my interpretation. Listen, the problem with modern church people is they want to eisegete instead of exegete. I know that's, that's, that's language, that, but, but exegete means to let the Scripture speak for itself. Eisegete means for me to give my opinion of it. There's too many people eisegeting when they should be exegeting. Yeah, you're like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> the second thing is this, stay focused. Be be strong, okay? That's the first thing. Second one, be focused, stay focused. Verse number eight, this book of the law shall not, God's word, that's what that means, the book of the law was God's word. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. You shall observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Listen, there would be story after story that we could go around the room today and we, can, we could talk about people who, have, who, when they finally committed and went all in. See, too many people want to wait out and they want to hang out in the shallows. My youngest granddaughter learned to swim a good little bit this week. And it was kind of funny because the first day she wanted to stay up in the shallows where her feet were comfortable. You know, she would get there and kick a little bit, a little Emmy, she'd be kicking around and then she'd stand up. Because she was safe. But by the end of the week, we were having to watch her because she was ready to jump off into the deep side. So what I'm saying is we got too many people today that want to stand in the shallows and say, this is nice. When God said, you know what? Don't dab at it. If you're going to do it, do it. Just jump in the deep end. Just, and, and the only way we can do that is stay focused. There's so many distractions. There's so many things calling for us today. If we're not careful, we get chasing one thing after another, after another, after another. Just be steadfast. Just stay focused on what really... See, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. 
You know, there are many voices vying for our time and attention. We've got to learn how to tune those things out and focus on the only one that really matters. As they prepared to inherit the promised land, God told them that they were to obey his word. They were to declare it and meditate on it. And he said, then your way is going to be prosperous. See, notice we get the cart before the horse. We want the blessing before the obedience. That's not how it works. We have to obey, fall in line, and then the blessings come. The word prosperous in Hebrew, I love this, means to push through. To push through. See, we want to talk about a... a uh, we, we want to talk about breakthroughs. You'll never have a breakthrough living in disobedience. You can pray for it. You can run around a building for it. You can fall on the carpet for it. But until you start living in obedience, you'll never have that push through to, obe to a breakthrough. It'll never come. You've got to stay focused on the main thing. Our, again, our breakthroughs come as we remain focused on God. Uh, again, have you ever noticed how easily distracted we are? I mean, and, and, and you compound the problem with our devices. And, and I'm, not, I'm not jumping on devices. But, man, how many of you wear a watch or maybe you keep a smartphone in your pocket and when you take it out, you walk around and you, you just almost could, that's, you still have it in your pocket. They call that a fan, the phantom vibration. And it's a real thing. It, because you've, cut, you've had it in your pocket or have you worn it on your wrist so many times that you literally walk around thinking every second of the day that it's vibrating, that somebody's texted you. Or somebody sent you a message. And, it, and again, we're distracted by so many things. There, uh, you know, we get into the week, they've done this thing now where they send out a, a screen report. How many hours you spent on that thing? Listen to me, those are hours you'll never get back in life. You'll never gain them back. Listen, modern believers are wrapped up in the spirit of this age. We're allowing the world to establish our convictions and our priorities. And it's time for the church to go back to the rock that was laid and build our lives and build our ministry and build our churches and our families upon the solid rock, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that was established, not hewn with hands. Amen. Listen, I know this. I, I didn't come back from vacation to give a hard word. I just, I, I'm telling you, I'm hungry. Because I see a generation coming after us that knows not the Lord nor the power of the Spirit. We want to blame everybody. I'm telling you, we're a little bit at fault because we've not tended to the flame in our own hearts. Listen, we need the move of God. And I'm telling you, it's not cheap. The move of God's not cheap. It will never come without a total devotion and obedience to His Word. And I'm not talking about two or three hour services, even though that's shorter than a ball game by the way today until Jesus until I want more until I want Jesus more than I want anything else he'll just be something good in my life he'll never be total in my life see we've got too many other things that are attractive today and that's what we want listen church just give me Jesus just give me Jesus Take the whole world. <laughs> Just give me Jesus. Because in that's all that matters. We've got to stay strong. We've got to stay focused. And we've got to trust his presence. Guys, come on back. I want to wrap this up. We've got to trust his presence. Verse 9 says, be strong and of good courage. 
And then he adds this. He said, do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that great promise? There's a world hurting out there that needs a church that operates in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking kooky stuff. Listen, there have been people that have done some strange things in the name of Jesus. I understand that. But I'm telling you that when the tangible and the intangible connect, something's going to happen. I've seen brazen men that said, I'll do anything. I, I won't, I'll do anything but that, you know, the meatloaf thing. <laughs> and God got a hold of them and melted them instantly. I've seen rebellious people come forward and some of you, again, you've touched them, you've went there and you just simply grabbed their hands and said, Jesus loves you and the hardest of hearts has melted of the touch of the Holy Spirit. Our kids need to experience that. Your children need to experience that. See, because right now they look at you like you're a kook. I'm not going to ask them to raise their hand if they believe that because they would. Our kids look at us like we're kooky. Because they've not experienced what we've experienced. See, they've heard the stories. They've been taught some of the scriptures and some of the things that Jesus has done, but they've not experienced it on their own. I'm saying it's time for the church. I'm it's time for us as older people to tend the flames in our own heart, to fan into flame the embers, let the Spirit of God blow once again across the embers of our heart and to fan into flame, to burn so radiantly once again that they see the warmth and they experience the warmth and they say, I want what you've got. I told you the story years ago of Sister Sledge when I was a kid growing up. I hadn't told that story in a long time. Sister Sledge, I'm not talking about the singing group, it's the lady. Sister Sledge was a lady that was devoted to God, incredible lady. I was a young boy, raised in the Assemblies of God. Again, that doesn't mean anything. I was just in church. And I can remember Sister Sledge, she would get blessed. She, she used to run the school. She'd get on the bus and do bus ministry. And she'd be, she was a prayer warrior, faithful prayer warrior. But as she aged, she got to the point where she couldn't do all that anymore. But there was a fire that still burned in that lady that couldn't be quenched. She loved Jesus, and she wanted everybody to know. And I'd invite some of my friends to church. Now, a couple things about that. Number one, they weren't used to church. And number two, they weren't used to Pentecostal churches. And number three, they weren't used to Sister Sledge. Because she had this thing that she would do. She had this whistle about her, and I, I can't do it, but when because she couldn't do what she used to do. She couldn't teach Sunday school. She couldn't do the bus ministry. She couldn't do any of those things anymore, but she still had the fire of God in her life. But what she would do is when she would get blessed of the Lord, when she would feel the presence of God on her, kind of like Pop Irwin. Anybody remember Brother Pop? You know, God, the Spirit of God would hit him, and he would give out a whoo and he would just take off and run around the center section. It was a funny, it, it was cool. I love seeing him express his love for Jesus. If you got in his way, he's going to run you over. Boom. 70-something-year-old <laughs> man. He was coming around the corner. Sister Sledge would start in the, in the basement and go to the cellar. She would do something like, Ooh, glory. Again, I'd bring guys to church that weren't used to that. And so I'd bring these guys to church, and I'd start praying, Jesus, don't bless Sister Sledge. 
You blessed her enough last week. Don't bless her again. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Anybody here ever do that? Don't bless her this week, Lord. You blessed her last week. Don't do it again. I mean, just about the time you'd, I'd pray that. Ooh, glory! And I, that, that would go. And I'd just like, oh, you could see my friend's hair stand on the back of his neck. I'd put my head down. Oh, Jesus, you didn't, you didn't listen. You didn't listen. Here's the thing, though. Later, my friends never remembered what the pastor said. Never remembered the sermon. They all remembered that little old lady that was so in love with Jesus that they, she had something they didn't have, and they always wanted to know about that little old lady that would let out that yell. I'm telling you something. We need the fire of God burning in our hearts and our lives again. We need a freshness of the Holy Spirit today in our hearts and our lives. We need to be strong and courageous. We need to be established, strong-legged, holding tight to this word. Listen, the world is trying to change and redefine God. Trying to re- refine. Listen, I watched a video. I told you last week or a couple weeks ago. I watched a video of a guy using the story of the resurrection of Lazarus to 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 promote a alternative lifestyle. I said Jesus just wants you to come out. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Just come out and be open about it. I'm like, that's isogeet right there. By the way. <laughs> I thought, good Lord, help us to be strong, strong-legged in his word. I, years ago, and i got to hurry up and close. Years ago, I shared this in early service well. Probably in the late 90s, I, early, mid-90s, late 90s, I got a call from, anybody ever heard of Jerry Springer? Yeah, I don't recommend you watching. I got a call from the producer of the Jerry Springer show. And when I answered the phone, the producer said, Reverend Mizell? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, your name was given to me by somebody in your community. We've got a couple here that are going to be on our show. We're trying to set this thing up, and they are wanting to start a satanic church there in your community, and we're wanting them to come on air, and we want you. We've told you would be a good person to come and sit here and be the opposite view. Now, I'd heard a little bit about the show. I didn't know anything. I mean, I don't watch it, obviously. It's trash television. But, but I knew a little bit about it. So as I'm talking to this guy, he's kind of giving me a little history, you know, like, well, you know, I was kind of raised in church, and my grandfather was a pastor, and he kind of goes through all this stuff. And, and, and so he said, we'd really like to schedule you to fly out here and be on our show, and you can be the voice of, of, of Christians, and, and we'd have them on the show. And I said, sir, can I? I said, here's the thing. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm well confident that I could come out there and I could do a good presentation and I could speak the truth of God's word. I said, but if you're looking for a Bible thumper, snorting, spitting kind of guy that's going to take the truth of God's word and kind of beat somebody over the head and make a spectacle of themselves, I'm not your guy. Here's what he said to me. He said, Reverend, you do know we're after ratings. And I said, yes, sir, I do. Thank you, but no thank you. And that was the end of that. It, the show went on, by the way. Um, I, I'm, I, that's all I'll say about that one. It went on, by the way. But what I'm saying is that you're going to be challenged. You're going to be called into question about what you believe, why you believe it. The words that God spoke to be strong and to be courageous are applicable to us right here, right now. Because again, one day, maybe in very, very not too distant future, we're going to see people 
if you adhere to the truth they may stand in front of your house they may stand in front of you they may get in your in the in the in the in the parking lot out here they may stand and accost you as you go in and call you all kinds of things intolerant bigoted two-faced hypocrite whatever the word he says be strong and courageous and it cannot happen if we are not filled with the holy spirit it cannot happen if we're not walking in and functioning through the holy spirit I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what, again, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm tired. I mean, ha, have you reached that point yet? Have you reached the saturation point of the status quo? Are you tired of empty hearts and faithless faith? It's time. Are you tired of a powerless gospel and a defeated life? It's time. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, hey, these men aren't drunk like you think they are, see, it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's what he's doing right now. He goes on and says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He said, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. What I'm saying is where is the next generation seeing visions and dreams? Where is the next generation prophesying of what God is doing? Not yesterday, but right now. It's up to us, church. It's up to us to stoke the flames. It's up to us to go and clean the debris of past moves of God and past revivals. Clean that out and put fresh fuel and say, God, do it again. Saturate me, anoint me, fill me, set me on fire, and then let me go. That's what the world needs today. We've preached a gospel that is too timid. We've preached a gospel that is anemic. People walk in with lifestyles that are not conducive to the kingdom. And they're not convicted because we have no fire. Again, I'm not, listen, you can do it the wrong way. I, I get so aggravated. I see preachers getting up and they want to they lambast people and beat them over the head and call them names. That ain't Jesus. Jesus would never do that kind of stuff. He sat down with an adulterous lady and said, woman, where is your accuser? She said, I have none. He said, I don't do it either. Now you go and sin no more. That was, his, that was the extent of it. And yet we've got guys today want to get up in the pulpit and think it makes them look good to snort and spit and call people names and call them devils and all that kind of stuff. Listen, it's time for us to stand in the power of God and let the Spirit do its work. See, I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm not here to sway anybody. I'm just here to say what thus saith the Lord. And then when it goes out of my mouth, let the Spirit of God take it and do what needs to be done. Because He's still able. He's still able. They're people that need to hear. They don't need to hear how bad they are. They need to hear how good our Jesus is. And when they see how good he is, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. He's been doing it for a long time. He doesn't need modern methodologies to do it. He doesn't need fresh sensitivity. He, he just needs a vessel that says, fill me up and lets me go. I'm ready, church. I totally got off the notes. I'm sorry. But that's all right. I'm hungry. God, do it in this generation. I want you to stand with me this morning. It's time, church. We've had, listen, we've run well. I want you to understand this message has, we, we, God has been good to us. My, 
I could not ask for better 30 years of ministry than what we've had here. Again, I, that email I mentioned, referenced a bit earlier, I, 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 those are almost pretty common occurrence down through the years of people saying, you know what? God, God is special. I had a guy from Canada one time visiting, sitting in the very back, about as far back as you can in the balcony, just, just passing through. But something got a hold of that man in a service that he wrote me. He said, you don't understand, we don't have stuff like that here in Canada. We don't sense the presence of God like that. One of the fears I have, if you go back to Uzzah and Ahio, their familiarity breeded contempt because the ark of the presence of God was in their house. They become so accustomed to seeing the presence of God in their house that they lost their fear. Didn't matter much to them anymore. Oh, you have a good service. You got to view this, view that. No, that's okay. We've seen it before, experienced it before. They lost the respect for it. And when David moves that ark to the from his house, Obed-Edom's house, to Jerusalem. And the oxen stumbled. Uzzah immediately reaches out and touches, did that which was forbidden of God, and he was killed instantly. And everybody wants to have a pity party and blame how mean God was. No, God had already told them how to do it. But because they become so familiar with everything that they just decided they, were, they knew better than God, and they did it on their own. How much of the church is operating today out of that same principle that we know better than God and we've done it so long that we don't need the freshness of God. We've got Madison Avenue and we've got slick campaigns and all of these things and we can put on Hollywood sermon series and we can do all of this stuff. We don't need that stuff anymore. I'm telling you, we need it more than ever before. We need a fresh move of the Spirit. And my prayer is, God, let it start with me. Help me to clean out the junk 30 years of experiences so that I'm ready for a new step of faith. I'm telling you, I, we, get, we get so caught, I'm, I'm not, I wrote this down, I wasn't going to say this, but I am. Uh, this was this morning when I walked into the building. Don't, I can't even read my own handwriting. Don't let the actions or the talk of others distract you from the presence of God in your life. See, we get so concerned about the talk of other people that we forget the talk of God. See, the talk of other people is a talk of demoralization, a talk that brings me down, a talk that hinders me, a talk, a talk that stifles me. I'm worried about what somebody says about me when I really just need to be worried about Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Take the whole world. <laughs> just give me Jesus. And if none go with me, it's all right. So I will follow. One of the things about watching my grandchildren and you've experienced with my children, at a certain age, wherever dad goes or mom goes, you know what? You look back and there's one following. It's a sad day for a dad and a pawpaw when you walk as they get older and you look back and they're not following you anymore as they become independent. We have a heavenly father who says, come walk with me. 
And this walk is not just a short walk, it's a lifetime walk. As we walk with Him, we experience fellowship and communion with Him. We have the freshness in our relationship. It's been said of revivalists down through the years that there are people that pray with such a, a, a familiarity with God that you literally would want to see Jesus sitting in a chair next to them. They had that about them. But see, what happens is, as we get older, we've experienced it all. We don't, we don't need to walk with Him any longer. How sad it must be for our Father to look over and not see us following. That's what I'm talking about. See, the church has matured in a sense. Well, we've got it all figured out and we're not walking in step with the Father anymore. And I just came to say today, it's time. And it can't, and it has to begin with each of us. Because every one of these chairs represents a soul for whom Christ died and we're charged to reach. And as we sing this song, here's how I'm going to close this morning. If you're, if you're online, if you'll comment, I wanna, I, I, we, we want to pray with you as well. Listen, the presence of God, He's omnipresent. That means He's everywhere at the same time. This, the anointing that we feel here today can be in your house, in your living room. And I pray God right now with a fresh move of the Spirit, a fresh pneuma of the Holy Spirit would just blow wherever you're watching this and you would sense the presence of Almighty God. As we sing this song this morning, if you're here today and say, you know what, God, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I just want God to do something fresh in me. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Listen, if your walk has become stale, listen, many of you have walked with God for a long, long time. I'm just telling you, don't sour on the vine. Don't sour, don't, don't, don't go south on me. Don't get sour. Let the freshness, let, be like Sister Sledge. You may not be able to do what you used to do, but you're burning with fire that just radiates. As they sing, would you come? I'm just, I'm, that's the only altar call I'm going to do. You need something from Jesus. You just step down and say, Lord, it's me standing in need. I want you to do something in me. Blow once again with the embers of the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit. Blow across my life start right now. Let me be the agent of change for the next generation. They need a faithful generation right now to pass on the fire of God so that we don't become like Joshua's children and grandchildren. Go ahead and sing. Would you come this morning? Just come and lift your hand. Say, God, it's me. I want a freshness. I want a freshness in my walk with you, Lord. Do something to my heart. Help me to clean out the debris, the junk, the embers of yesterday, the the ashes of yesterday's move. Give me something fresh today. Lord, blow in this place with the Holy Spirit. I'm not here for Jesus, Hallelujah. you don't owe me anything. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. anything that you can do, I just want you. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I'm caught up in your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to sit here at your Hallelujah. feet. I'm caught up in 
fresh fire, Lord, fresh fire, Lord. Do something new. I never want to something fresh. Do something fresh. Lord, I'm not here Thank you, Lord. for blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Hallelujah. you don't Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All that you have, give it to us, Lord. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the Take away the hurt. I'm sorry. Take away the hurt. Take away the disappointment. I just Take it away, Lord. Another song. Take me back to Do it where again. we start. Do it again, Jesus. I open up my heart to you. Lord, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry. But I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I've opened up my heart to you. Hungry, Lord. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this hole. Hallelujah. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't
say to you as well, be not afraid. Be not dismayed. For as I was with them, I am with you. Do not concern yourself with the opinions of others. Concern yourself with me. If you'll walk with me in covenant relationship, I will open doors that you cannot open. And I will close doors that you cannot close. I will bless you in ways that you, cannot, that you cannot imagine. But you must follow me, and you must trust me, and you must be strong. And be not dismayed, for in these perilous days I am with you, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow with me. Just meditate on that. You just heard a message of tongues and interpretation. As Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. These are gifts given to the body of Christ to edify and to build up and to strengthen. Listen, the entire service, I felt the same thing. That's why I wrote that this morning when I walked in the building. The first thing I did was grab a note pad and said, don't let the uh, actions or talk of others. While we were down here in the altars, I felt the Lord impress upon me. There's somebody here today that is more concerned about what other people say than you are about what he says. You're wrapped up in status. And because you're of a certain age, you feel like that gives you an excuse 
to do things that Jesus would never do, to talk about people that Jesus, the way in ways that Jesus would never talk about people. I'm just saying that if that's you this morning, you will, you have created a spiritual ceiling. And people are going to outgrow you and look at that immaturity and wonder what happened. I'm saying today, seek Jesus. Nothing else will do. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, the fame, the notoriety, the prestige, and he loses his own soul? I want you to just... I'm, I'm not going to do a formal dismissal, but I do want to do this. And if you're get, if you, what that means is, listen, I want you to linger here as long as you can, as long as you need to. See, this is not about me trying to convince you. I'm just simply saying, look, he's here. He is here right now to refresh, to renew, to restore, to get out all the junk that's accumulated. Listen. It's like anything. If you don't take time, that's why we have garage sales. There's times when we have a garage sale because we need to clean out the junk and get rid of it. In our lives spiritually, there are times we need to clean out the debris that we've allowed to accumulate, the hurts from other people, the talk that we do about other people, all that stuff builds up, and it hinders the move of God in our life. We need to get that out. But what I want to do, I want you to bow with me. Nobody looking around. I want to pray this, this last prayer. And then you can dismiss however you need to. But I want to ask this. Nobody look around, please. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I need, I need more Jesus. I want more Jesus. That message was for me. I've got so wrapped up in what other people think about me that I don't, I don't chase God like I used to. I've become an old hat at it. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Now I can critique everything that's done when it doesn't meet my standards. I'm telling you, get that devil off of you right now because that's not good. When nobody look around and say, Pastor, you know what? I need, I need to realign. In prayer, I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, just slip it right and right back down. Pastor, I need to realign. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, just like you did, 2,000 years ago, you began pouring out. You poured out your spirit. And the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit altered lives. They were never the same. Today, Lord, we live in a time when we've allowed the gods of this age to pile up debris in our hearts and in our lives. It has hindered the free flow of the spirit. Lord, there were hands that went up in the building and said, I need to realign right now. Lord, I pray that today you change the way we live, you change the way we think, you change the way we talk. I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin working in each of us to realign us in accordance to who you created us to be. Lord, right now you said if we resist the enemy, he would flee against, uh, from us. Lord, right now we resist the enemy's attempt to cause to turn us into critiquers 
Lord, you didn't call us to critique one another. You called us to love each other. Lord, I pray that we stand against the negativity of our world, the cynicism of our world, a world that has lost hope. Lord, birth in us a new hope. These are perilous days, but they're not hopeless days. So, Lord, do something. Realign us today. Give us a new vision. Let us see dreams. Let us have dreams and visions. And let our children, our sons and our daughters, let them prophesy of a day that you, of this day, of you pouring out your spirit. Let our high school campuses be altered. Let our middle school campuses be altered because we have students that refuse, that have steadfast, that have become strong and courageous. They're standing firm and they're holding tight. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege that we can come, that you don't cast us out. Lord, I thank you that you still are tolerant of us when we play games with you and are flipping about our walk with you. But Lord, today we decide, Lord, we're on your side. Just give me Jesus. Nothing else will do. Let your anointing rest upon us and may it alter us so that others may know. Help us to walk in that anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to continue singing. You linger as long as you want to. God bless you and I love you.
Change. 